Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 259, recorded live on Saturday, June 2nd, 2012. And here are your hosts, the man who didn't have any breakfast yet, Dave Pillay. Hello. The man who had wedding cake and a Mountain Dew for breakfast, Andy Lowe. Hi. And the most adult person on this podcast, it seems... Vince 12 had a bowl of cereal. Hello, Vince. Well, hello. Wait, wait, wait. We need to clarify what kind of cereal, because otherwise your most adult comment doesn't make much sense. Oh, well, it was a, a bowl of Fiber One cereal. That would be an adult cereal. That this does is not, not sound like an adult cereal. This is not Lucky Charms. No, no. <laughs> but no still comparing it to no breakfast and wedding cake and a Mountain Dew. Which reminds me, good sir, happy belated anniversary. Thank you. Vince, my uh, third wedding anniversary was on the 30th, so... Well, congratulations. My seventh wedding anniversary was on the 21st. Well, belated anniversary. Congratulations to you, my good sir. And to you. There was a kind of a hat, hand... Motion. Motion there. I saw You gotta remember, people can't see you. I know. That's one of the thoughts I had is turning this into a video podcast, but then I would actually have to, you know, look shave, decent look and shave, nice. clean up the stuff behind me. I'm also doing a hand motion with that, too, but you can't see that one either. No. But, okay, so still, yeah, even Lucky Charms would be considered, you know, more adult than... Nothing. Nothing. I beg to differ. Really? Yeah. You're not eating breakfast, Dave. It's the most important meal of the day. Yeah, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. So you're going to go for a brunch? Yes. Like an omelet? Or some sort of egg dish, or my lasagna from last night, which was really tasty. Wait, how'd you have lasagna? Gluten-free noodles, my friend. Uh, gotcha. What's in gluten-free noodles? Rice. Gotcha. That would make sense. But when you, when you have rice noodles layered between meat, mushrooms, onions, pasta sauce, cheese, ricotta, which is more cheese... Uh, you you really can't tell. At that point, you could just put all of them together with rice. Probably. Have some sort of wicked risotto, maybe? Ooh. Andy, I think this is worthy of an experiment. <laughs> Why do we always start talking about food? I don't know, but see, I haven't eaten yet, so now I'm hungry. <laughs> all right, well, then we'll just do the podcast, and then you can go and eat. And all like be good. Punishment for me. This is. This I think. I think we should change all the topics to food-based <laughs> topics now, just to punish him further. Well, there actually was a topic on Slashshot talking about geeky grill items. We could try and make geeky that work. Grill items. Yeah, there was like a a, a grill with built-in Wi-Fi. <laughs> Why? I don't know. What What is the advantage of that? Maybe so you could. You know, I, I don't know. Surf. Your burgers can tweet to you when they're when they're finished. Yo, dog! I heard you like Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, maybe so you could surf. Maybe it's got remote temperature probes built in. I don't know. It's one of those things like saying just attach Bluetooth to it and everybody will buy it. Well, that is true. A Bluetooth grill would make a lot of sense, yeah. as opposed to the Wi-Fi one. <laughs> I, I have no comment to respond to that with. It, it's it's one of those ridiculous things. It's really Wi-Fi on a grill. Uh, yeah. 
What what I'm kind of curious. Let's actually do this topic. What other geeky grill items? Well, hold on. I have to find the topic again. I have to go through my history. History. Read us some of the other things in that history. That's probably best left alone. Grilling for geeks. There it is. I gotta wait for everything. This is what happens. It took you that long to go through your history. I googled the damn thing, and I'm already there. I could have Googled it, too, I know. Oh, God, did I use Google as a verb? Yes, yes, you did. did not even notice it. Shit. The barbecue, right. Yeah, the barbecue grew CyberQ with Wi-Fi, $295. Yeah, I grill on steroids. <laughs> oh, it's a control system. So you don't actually have to go outside to grill. Yeah, you can actually control the grill from your iPhone. Now, does it have, like, a little web camera inside or something like that so you could see when things are ready? That would be I don't cool. know, but that would be pretty cool. <laughs> we're not supposed to think it's cool. We're supposed to think it's ridiculous. We're, come on. I, I meant ridiculous. Yes. A hamburger press. Now, I just, I've always used my hands when making yeah, hamburgers. I, I would, I've never actually had the problem of a burger like falling apart after I've packed it with my hand. Somebody's making a meatball on a grill instead of a hamburger. That's what their problem is. Mm-hmm. A s'more maker? What? S'more maker. S'more maker on the grill. God, I'm going to have to link this article now on our list, aren't I? Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is, you know, I wouldn't even bother. This is a bad list. <laughs> Yeah, it's not that exciting. But There's hence, nothing good on this list. Hence, the, I saw the CyberQ grill with Wi-Fi sort of thing. So it's not actually a grill. It's just a control station, but still. There is nothing good on this list. All right, moving on. Vince, can you tell us why yeah. you're here trying to step away from food? Um, uh, I'm, I, I think that I'm here uh, to uh, <laughs> pimp my game, my upcoming game, Resonance, which is uh, coming out... Uh, this month, uh, the, on the 19th of June, Woo. Woohoo! after five long years of development, Whoa. I, I have been working on this game in my spare time for five years, um, and uh, in, in the last year, uh, I partnered up with uh, Wadjidai Games, and, uh, and uh, they, they've helped me get through the, the last part of development, t- taking me over the finish line here. Now, for those um, who, that, why that sounds familiar, we actually interviewed Dave for PuzzleBots when he had the game picked as a PAX 10, just oh. for some of those who were like, does that sound familiar? Yeah, David Wajedai Games, he's, he does his uh, adventure games. He's like the, the uh, baron of the indie adventure game now. I, I I almost though see him as a uh, d- is he more of the figurehead though and his wife doing all the hard stuff or is it <laughs> um, oh Chandy <laughs> on 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 resonance uh, his wife um, when when we made our our partnership she joined the team and took over f- uh, for me from uh, a- as the lead programmer uh, I had been programming the game for four years but my time had just been getting shorter and shorter and shorter because of family stuff and moving and uh you know all, all of life getting in the way um and in order to get the, the game done in some reasonable time frame she took over as the full-time programmer on the game uh and dave continued as as uh he 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 did all the voice acting recording and stuff like that 
uh, as well as all the stuff that producers are supposed to do. So well, that's uh, sounds like a pretty nice partnership. But on on his own games, um, uh, he writes them, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure if they're most if his most recent games if she, if she programmed them or, or or not. I just say that because it just seems that every time somebody talks about him, it's suddenly like his wife is just in the background. Doesn't really say much, but it seems that she's doing all the heavy. I feel like I'm going to get in such trouble now. For yeah, like that. I'm already writing down his name as we can no longer ask him to be on the show now. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Well, we well get, done. We should get his wife on. I'll let you send that email. Oh, probably will. Along with another one followed by "I'm so sorry." <laughs> like so, we were talking about you recently, and we want to apologize. <laughs> So let's just talk about the game instead. Okay, tell us about Resonance. Uh, well, Resonance is a uh, point-and-click adventure game. Um, in the game, you take control of four playable characters and their memories, and uh, the, the story's about a uh, scientist who has uh, created a new terrible technology and then died in a spectacular fashion. And uh, these four characters, their lives become intertwined as they're seeking this uh, hidden vault of the scientist before uh, the other nefarious groups out there get their hands on it. Now wait, four playable characters and a mad scientist. Count them, four plus a mad scientist. He's not mad, he's a, he's a nice scientist. He's, he's an angry engineer, is that what it is? <laughs> Slightly irate inventor. <laughs> well, that was a good one. I hope to remember that from later. An irate inventor. Mm-hmm. I like it. Inventor. Uh, does aggravated engineer count as some type of alliteration? Uh, it's a similar sound. No, I, I don't think that counts. <laughs> so does I, I? When I first heard this in my head, I went automatically back to a uh, maniac mansion. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like that, <laughs> uh, except uh, it's it's a very serious game. Um, I mean, there's there's some comedy bits in it, but uh, it's a it's a serious kind of mystery thriller sci-fi story. Now, you said something about the memories, and I was trying to I was reading some other reviews about this, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around this whole memory thing as items in your inventory. How is how do you think about doing that, and how does it work in the game? Absolutely. Um, well, when I uh, play other adventure games, kind of one of the things that bugs me is um, I always want the player to be able to, uh, or to force the player to think logically about what they want to do, and and then have to communicate that to the game. So uh, the the example that I, I like to use is a a locked door and a locksmith. Uh, normally, if you are playing a, an adventure game, or at least in several several types of adventure games. You would go talk to the locksmith, be like, hey, what's up, uh, and get a number of dialogue options, right? And then you would go and you'd see this door, and your character would go, oh, darn, that door's locked. And then the, then you have to walk back to the locksmith, and when you talk to him, you now have, as a dialogue option, could you help me unlock that door? Uh, but that's kind of like spoon-feeding you the, the, the solution. So I wanted the player to have to realize, well, I need to talk to that uh, locksmith about that particular door. Uh, and the challenge is figuring out an interface, uh, this method of communicating that intention to the game. Um, uh, and it, it had to be easy to use and understand, but also powerful enough to provide a wide array of interactions. 
Um, so, so what does that all mean? What, what I wound up settling on is this uh, memory system, because memories are already a theme in the story of the game. So um, I decided to just uh, build them into the game as a, a, a gameplay system as well. So you have three inventories. Uh, there's your regular adventure game bottomless inventory where they're like picking up stuff and sticking it in their pockets and stealing everything that isn't nailed down. Um, and then you have your short-term memory and your long-term memory. Uh, the long-term memory acts as kind of uh, uh, the game so far. So you could you could potentially just go through that long-term memory and it would kind of catch you up on what you've done, you know, if you're away from the game for a long time or something like that. Um, so as something happens in the game, you might get an, a memory in your inventory about that event. And you can click on it and rewatch the event uh, you also unlock memories from the player's past, so you can kind of get some background. Uh, and then the short-term memory uh, is is what you would use for this example with the door and the locksmith. Um, when you realize that you need to talk to that locksmith about this door, you can actually take the door and click and drag it into your short-term memory, which creates this this memory in your inventory of that door. And then you can go back to the locksmith and when you're talking to the locksmith, you can use as a topic of conversation any item in all three of your inventories. So you can talk about, um, you know, this screwdriver that I have, which maybe he doesn't care about. Or you could talk about the memory of that event from your long-term memory. Or you can talk about the short-term memory of the door, in which case he would go, oh, yeah, I can totally help you unlock that door. So really, it's, it's taken the ability to brute force these solutions out of the game. You can't just sit there and combine all the, the, the items that you have and talk to everybody with all the dialogue options. You have to actually think about what you want to talk to them about. Oh, does that make sense? No, that, that does, and that, I'm kind of pleased with that because there's every once in a while, especially playing with like the Monkey Island series, where you'd go, okay, I've got a rubber chicken and a pulley. Let me try putting those together. Oh, that works. Or I've got yeah, a, I don't I've have got a lot of puzzles like that. I try to make, especially like inventory interaction stuff, very logical. Um, they're, they're all very real world things that you're, you're interacting with here. So. You mean not combining honey and gems in front of a set of glowing eyes in the forest in the hopes to like trap a little imp? <laughs> Yep, no no uh, cat hair mustaches or anything like that. <laughs> oh, God. What one was that from? Um, what one was that from? That's <laughs> the general example of what a terrible... Uh, Sounds like it might be a King's Quest. But. No, no, it's a... Oh, there's, it's got to be it's, online somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a... Uh, cat hair mustache puzzle. There we go. Gabriel Knight 4. There you go. Oh, goodness. Wow, guys. <laughs> We've played too many adventure games. Yeah. So, why well, why it, did why did you decide to do an adventure game? Um, I'm I'm a big fan of adventure games. Um, uh, going back to you know childhood, I played all the Lucas Arts games. I was big into the Lucas Arts games, and um, and also games like Myst and Riven and other first person more mechanical puzzlers like that. Um, and I always wanted to create a game like that. Um, when uh, when I got out of college. Um, I was I, I moved to Japan and I was teaching English in Japan there, uh, and I had and that job pretty much gave me this uh, large amount of free time because I was sitting at a desk like six hours of the day and uh, teaching two hours of the day, and uh, I, I decided that I wanted to use that time to start making a game, uh, and I found Adventure Game Studio because Adventure Games was 
definitely my, my first pick for the, the type of game that I would want to make. And uh, I used that to make several freeware adventure games and uh, eventually jumped into uh, Residence. Wait, so... And spent five years on it. <laughs> and spent five years on it. <laughs> you, you graduated college and then moved to Japan to teach English. Did you have... Was that part of your field or did you just decide, no, hey... No, um, I, I, gra- I have a degree in mathematics and computer science. So nothing connected to Japan or um, teaching English. But um, I, when you have a degree in computer science, you can kind of figure out that the, the rest of your life is going to be sitting in a cubicle. Uh, and I was not ready to uh, just lay down and, and take that life and, and just start being a, a cubicle dweller uh, right away. So I wanted to do something fun. And I had a friend of mine from high school who actually did this uh, jet. It's called the jet program uh, called the Japanese uh, exchange teaching program. So uh, that's probably not it, but um, uh, basically you don't have to be or, or have any real qualifications. There's a, other than speaking English natively, uh, there's a big interview process and application process that you do have to get through. So um, they are somewhat choosy about who they send over there, but um, you just go over there and it's a one-year program and uh, it's generally extendable up to three years and I extended it up to four years. So I, I was actually there for just over four years huh. and that's the story. Cool. Now, how did you, okay, so you started playing all the, did you start playing, you started gaming with the Lucas games, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I played all kinds of games uh, as a kid and, and actually always wanted to be a game designer and um, never really knew how to go about doing that. I mean, I would, I remember in like the fourth grade laying on the floor of my friend's living room and we were drawing like maps for Final Fantasy, like Nintendo era Final Fantasy. We were like, we're totally going to make this game. Of course, we had no idea how to do that other than drawing it on paper. But um, so, so I always kind of wanted to make games and, and loved playing games. But yeah, Nintendo, pretty much Nintendo. And uh, uh, once uh, the, we started getting cool PC games like uh, uh, The Dig and uh, of course, all the classic LucasArts games. The Dig, Full Throttle, Indiana Jones, all those. Yeah, of course. All those, and then I've got all the entire Mist series here, too. I I loved the Mist series up through 3. After that, they kind of tapered off for me. Well, 4 had the freaking cheats like built into the game. That was a little off-putting. Yeah, yeah, I... Four looked beautiful, but it just didn't just didn't work for me. It didn't do it for me at all, no. and and I didn't get five. I mean, I I got it, I played it, but I didn't get it. it. It just didn't work for me at all. Yeah, I just played five just so I could you know say I did all of them. Yeah, it was such a departure. Like they invented this whole other species of like weird alien things. Yeah, I, I did not know what. Oh. Dave, if you would like to play that, I have that, and you can you can freely borrow it because I'm not going back to that one. Can I? Yeah. Okay. Next time you're passing by, so I think of when that'll be. I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> so, how is it working with? Is is it different working the game by yourself versus having actual like other people to help you along? Yeah, and and actually, I should point out that from the beginning, um, I, I have a team. I'm not the only guy working on the game. Um, I uh, have uh, two artists: one doing the character animations and one doing all the backgrounds. 
and uh, and a musician. And I and I got all of those uh, those three guys on board from the get go. Organized everything through the internet. So I've never actually met anyone else who's worked on this game in any <laughs> significant capacity. I mean, my wife did a voice in the game, and my uh, my dad did a voice in the game, and uh, I have had you know I know several of the play testers because they play tested it right in front of me, but. Uh, but nobody who's like significantly contributed to the development of the game uh, have I ever met. <laughs> Gotta love the internet. Because I'm looking at this, your, your Skype said you're based out of Nebraska. Yep, I'm, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be. <laughs> that, yeah, that doesn't really seem to be much of a hotbed for indie games. Indie well, games. We, have, um, we do have an Omaha Game Developer Association, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, there's a there's a studio here, Skyview, who makes a lot of um, uh, uh, iPhone, iPad, or iOS games. Excuse me. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, uh, They've made like Battle Bears and stuff like that, which uh, I think are somewhat popular. Uh, They're very cool guys. Um, There is um, there are a couple other studios um, that are uh, smaller indie game studios, Kill Smile and. uh, slouch couch, and, and then and then just a whole bunch of guys that are just interested in gaming, and we all kind of get together once a month and talk games, and sometimes have special guests and stuff like that. So, so you, it's a you, lot of fun. I actually just discovered like a, like half a year ago, but apparently they've been around for three years. <laughs> so, but, would you say it's a a pretty tight knit community? Um, yeah, I mean, we we. Like I said, we we just get together once a month, and I know some of the the other guys get together um, other other times. But uh, um, yeah, no, it's a it's a nice community and uh, very helpful. Everybody's got good advice and um, and stuff like that. So it's it's great. I, I I had a session. One of our meetings was just everybody come and play Resonance and give me feedback, and that was super useful. So nice. I can't think of anything else. <laughs> well, sorry. So I I do have one other um, uh, kind of point to bring up the. The idea with an adventure game and kind of looking at classic games versus modern games, um, Chris Straub from Chainsaw Suit and Chris and Scott, etc., Penny Arcade, PAX, etc., had a comic just a couple days ago, and this can actually help us lead into a topic, but I wanted to get your opinion on this, about the the difficulty level and the hand-holding of new games versus old games. And the example he gives, it's uh, Space Quest Four. And all you see is I have to get off the space station, and you have your options at the top, and where you know you have the the scene that you can click on, mm-hmm. and saying what it would look like now. And ninety percent of the screen is taken up by objectives. Sure, sure. And then there's this little autosave at the bottom, which, by the way, I played Space Quest for the first time in about twelve years the other day, and got about seven minutes in and realized, oh crap, I have to actually save. Yeah, yeah. Um, adventure games are definitely one of those, especially classic adventure games, uh, especially Sierra adventure games, where you, you need to remember that you need to be saving constantly. Um, but um, as far as hand-holding goes now, yeah, yeah, there's definitely been a big swing towards uh, really babying the player, especially through the earlier parts of the game. Um, in in Resonance, uh, you know, I, I don't have any like big sweeping ideas about that, but um, in my own game, uh, I have several ways of kind of helping the player along. Uh, one is that long-term memory that I mentioned. So when you do have like an objective, uh, you'll get kind of a memory for that objective, so that you can see it at least in that inventory there. 
and you can click on it and it'll replay the person. Uh, you know, so if it's like somebody who asks you to go get this for me, you would get a memory and then you could click on that and it would replay that scene where he asked, go get me this item. Uh, so that kind of works right in with all the other parts of the game. So it's, it's not like a, a quest journal or anything like that. Um, but, but it helps. Uh, and then we have a hint system. Like I said, you're playing four characters. And so um, at any time you can kind of ask another character, hey, what do you think we should do next? And you'll kind of get a, uh, a response based on how far you are so far in the game. And they'll say, oh, yeah, well, we should maybe take a look around this area and kind of give you a hint in the right direction. Oh, that's and then we also have, we, Yeah, we also have a tutorial that you may or may not see early on in the game. My, my kind of idea there was if, if you don't know how to, say, left-click on an item to interact with it, right-click on the item to examine it, uh, if you haven't figured out how to right-click, for example, within uh, a couple minutes of starting the game, a little tutorial message is going to kind of fade in and then fade out. Uh, it just kind of gives you a moment to remind you, hey, you can right-click also. Um, and then they're also, you know, of course, teaching you that you can drag and drop op items off of the screen into your short term memory. That's something that people generally wouldn't uh, instinctively know and have to be uh, taught. But some people may already know how to do that. And so if you've done it, we don't need to show you the tutorial. But if you haven't figured it out within a couple minutes of the you know, first time you need to use it in the game, then I'm going to pop up a little notification that'll let you know. Cute. That's how I handle it in the game. No, no over-the-top hand-holding. But not quite as difficult as the classic Sierras. No, you're not just dropped in with no information and go. <laughs> <laughs> now, this actually brought up another idea that I was thinking about asking. How do you develop the puzzles? Like, because I know we talked about the craziness with the cat mustache and everything else like that, but so sure. how do, what is your mindset when you go, okay, there needs to be a puzzle here? How do you work through that to going from an idea to something that's not a cat mustache? <laughs> well, first of all, you stay away from uh, cat hair and glue uh, as inventory. <laughs> good call, good call. Um, there are no cats in the game. Uh, but uh, no, you, you try to, and, and you know how successful I was in this is, you know, I guess, yet to be seen. We've got to see some reviews of the game come out, but uh, feedback has been pretty good. Um, but you try to make sure that all the puzzles grow organically out of the story. Um, this this game is set in you know the, the present or the very near future. There are a couple pieces of pieces of technology scattered around that we don't have, so I guess that places it in the near future. But it's a very familiar world, so you're not doing anything um, really crazy. Everything's very realistic. You need to um, you know maybe pry a door open and. You know, what would you normally do for that? Well, you would use, you know, a crowbar or something like that. Well, you don't have a crowbar, so you think of something that is similar to a crowbar, right? Um, but uh, I, I just try to make sure that everything feels natural, feels like something that you could do in the real world. Um, uh, like, for example, uh, just the other day, my son dropped the, uh, the toothpaste cap down the drain and I took a stick with a little bit of duct tape at the bottom, lowered it down the drain and pulled up the, uh, the toothpaste cap. And they were like, yay, daddy. But I was like, that's an adventure game puzzle. <laughs> you know, um, 
talk about gamification. <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, and then, and then, of course, I've got some you know wild and big puzzles that grow out of the kind of um, you know fa- more fantastic parts of the plot. But again, those are growing out of the story uh, and not you know the, you can't make an argument that cat hair mustache grew out of the story of Gabriel Knight, right? No, there's yeah, there's no way that grew out of anything other than other than a cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, we're just cracking ourselves up today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I don't have any like high-minded philosophy. I just try to make sure that everything's at least grounded in reality, uh, or at least grounded in the reality of the game, and that uh, the obstacles in front of you kind of arise from the story uh, organically. All right. Now, something I just noticed: you have Logan Cunningham. On your voice cast. Oh yeah, have, have we not brought that up? Logan Cunningham, the uh, the uh, of course uh, very recognizable uh, uh, narrator from Bastion, is playing one of the main characters in the game. Did did you get him in there, or was that no. Dave? No. And- um, this is this is Dave. Dave uh, has been voice acting all of his games for several years now. And has uh, kind of built up this stable of uh, awesome uh, voice actors. And we needed this kind of gravelly, rough cop, right, uh, to play one of the main characters, Detective Bennett, in the game. And he had a guy who fit the bill, but he had just done pretty much the exact same part in the game Gemini, Gemini Rue, which came out um, last year. So he didn't want to use the same guy to play the exact same part um, you know, gravelly cop uh, in two games in a row. And so he was kind of looking around for somebody else. And one of the other voice actors, the, the one that's playing uh, Anna, which is another one of the central characters, uh, happened to know uh, Logan Cunningham and said, hey, well, I could ask him. And Dave was like, could you? And Dave, Dave emailed me that day and was like, uh, dude, we might get Logan Cunningham. And I was like, seriously? So, um, and it all worked out. He, he agreed to come on and... Um, it's been very awesome working with him. Uh, of course, I don't work with him directly. Dave does. Dave handles all the voice acting. Um, but I was always super, super excited to see um, uh, all the all the, the voice recordings, the raw files that were coming down, and, and listen to those. And uh, I mean, all the voice actors are awesome, definitely. So uh, you know, I, I don't want to just single out Logan, but uh, he is the one that everybody knows and and would get excited about. I do have to say, point out this is humorous to me. The guy who's playing Ed is actually named Ed. Not only yes. that, but he's named Edward Bauer, which you could short to Eddie Bauer. Eddie Bauer, absolutely. Oh, sorry, that was humorous to me. Anyway. Andy, you are just so off the wall today. I am so self-centered and finding what? puns and things, and I don't, what I don't know. What is going on over there? I had wedding cake and Mountain Dew for breakfast, which that I'm learning. That would probably do it. Is a, awesome. That's By a way, whole lot of old, sugar. That's not even year old. That's three-year-old wedding cake? No, 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 no. The, the wedding where we had our reception, the Weber's Hotel and Restaurant. Yeah, yeah. If you go back there every year on your anniversary... They give you another cake? They give you another wedding cake. <laughs> For free? For free. Well, I, I imagine it's not like a full wedding cake <laughs> no, for 150 a, people. No, this no. Is, it's it's a small two-person cake, so it's only about 8 to 10 inches in diameter. It's a small cake. But still, it's basically... A free wedding cake. Y- your wedding cake. Like, they have the dots, they had the ribbon, there was the whole actual wedding cake but brand new and it was delicious again okay. 
Still delicious. Still delicious. Yes. Three years later. God, I remember we, because the tradition is you freeze the wedding cake, right? Yeah. That first year. We pulled out that out of the freezer and then we were eating it and we're like, why are we eating this wedding cake? <laughs> like, we're going to go to dinner and then we're going to get a brand new, brand new wedding cake. <laughs> It's just not going to work for us. So then we threw out the old one and had the new one instead. Yeah, the new one. So much for tradition. Yep. Starting our own tradition. So Vince, what do you do to interact with the rest of your team since nobody is in Omaha other than you? Um, uh, I organized most of the game through, uh, we just had a, a message board that I set up on my website. Uh, so just a little private message board. And we had a section for uh, character art and background art and, and music. And most of the game was done through there. Uh, some of the some of the people preferred interacting through email. It was just easier for that. But it was nice to have this message board with attachments and stuff like that. So it was kind of a hub that was storing all the game assets and stuff like that. Uh, once uh, Wadjadai Games came on board, uh, Janet started programming. So we, we had this set up in SVN um, uh, just to, you know, handle uh, version control and everything like that, which would also allow me to work programming late at night, which that's the only time that I work is kind of between the hours of kids go to bed to I can't keep my eyes open anymore. Uh, and then Janet would work all day. Uh, and and uh, once we had that SVN set up, that really uh, a- a- allowed us to easily share the code and assets and stuff like that. And um, also, in, in pretty much in the last year, almost all the assets were already done and in the game by the time they took over programming. It was just, uh, uh, well, I'm sorry, there were a lot of uh, character, character art that needed, that needed to go in but, uh, uh, and music. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so everything had, had been handled mostly, mostly through that message board. And that, that I still have that message board. I'll probably keep it forever just as this like, monument to the game's five-year development. It's been my life for so long. I, I can't let it go now. <laughs> what are you going to do once it's actually out there? Um, I, I don't know. Do um, uh, you guys need a, a, a co-host? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to work on some more games. Uh, I will definitely start on some more games, hopefully ones that don't take five years. Um, I've got a number of ideas. I just need to play around with a couple for a while, so... I'd also like to just play games for a while because it's been a long time since I've been able to do that. You've been just working on your own for so long, you haven't had time for anything else? Yeah. Um, I mean, as someone who like was a huge gamer growing up and owned like every console through college and stuff like that, um, after I moved back from Japan to America, I left, uh, I left my Wii and my PlayStation and everything like that in... In Japan, I gave them to my my uh, nieces and nephews there. And since then, uh, the only console that I have in my house is um, my old Nintendo 64, which I had in my grandma's basement while I was gone. So uh, I haven't been playing a lot of games recently. I've missed out on like an entire generation of games. Uh, oh dear! It's it's hard. It was hard for me to justify buying or playing games when I knew that I needed to be working on this on this game. So. So do you have any idea what your first game's going to be once you're free? Uh, to play? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I've got a whole bunch of adventure games that were made by friends and stuff like that that are lined up, but I, I kind of don't want to play an adventure game right now. I kind of just want to, like, uh, I don't know, maybe jump around, uh, do a, some fun platforming or something like that. Like, I missed Mario Galaxy. I've missed Mario Galaxy altogether. Two Mario Galaxy <laughs> games. And they, they sound awesome, and I love Mario. So... 
Um, I want to I want to pick those up. Uh, the most recent Legend of Zelda game I I, I haven't played, so uh, I, I definitely think I'm going to go out and, and purchase myself a Wii. Although I also want to wait for the Wii U now, but not, anyway. <laughs> I've got options, and this is the first time I've had options. In- so, so one potential option is uh, actually going on right now, which mm-hmm. is, I think, a, a good transition. This is something Andy, oh. I don't think, had posted. Yeah, oh, the Humble Indie Bundle. Oh, why the did I not post that? Is up. Yes. Go post it, Andy. Why did I uh, not post featuring, it? Featuring Logan Cunningham, uh, yeah. who is most famously known for playing Detective Bennett in the game Resonance. Uh, <laughs> most people don't know he also was the narrator in Bastion, which is... When you think of uh, indie games, like modern-day indie games, these... Any discussion will almost certainly involve these. Absolutely. Cream of the crop. This is ridiculous. So Limbo, uh, Sword and Sorcery, Psychonauts, and Amnesia are included. And then if you pay more than the average, which is currently sitting at 780 you get Bastion. Absolutely. Amazing deal, that. Amazing. Unless, you know, you've bought all those games before. <laughs> and yeah, uh, even though I haven't been playing games, I still buy them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, backlog. so I, I do own some of them. Uh, I had played Amnesia, actually. Um, I took a break and played Amnesia at one point, uh, but have not finished it. So I, I probably should, will jump in and do that now. Um, and I, I had only played the demo of Bastion before, but now I own it. Uh, man, I'm excited. I, Bastion, that, that actually might be my next game. I might go and play Bastion. Yeah. All right, so my question is, how long after playing Amnesia did you finally able to uh, get yourself able to sleep again? Oh, man, that game is freaky. <laughs> oh. I, I was at night with, you know, total, totally dark room with headphones on. Oh. I tried oh, pretty much what Andy was just sitting in. That's the reason I haven't finished it yet, because nope. <laughs> yeah, Just that, I, I played part of that because it was the whole potato pack with Portal and all that stuff, and oh sure. my goodness. That's it. I, I started playing it, and then I'm like, I, I, I'm not going to be able to finish this game. I don't know. I like. I feel like I should play like happy music through my headphones and have all the lights on and everything else, and... <laughs> Just distance myself from the game just so I can try and finish it. But, oh, Psychonauts, yeah, that's... I need to finish playing that. Finish, oh, I played that. I need I to that start playing that. You never played Psychonauts? I've, I own it because I bought it on Steam, and I still have not played it. Dave. Yes? <laughs> Alright, so right now, Civ Five, Diablo Three, World of Warcraft, <laughs> Final Fantasy X, kind of dominating my time. And now Rock Band is back in there. Rock Band, awesome. Dave, you just need to make time. Andy, if I make any more time, A, I'm disrupting the laws of physics. B, it's going to be spent on things like revamping the site. No, I'm just saying, just remove the time from Civ Five. But I'm from... multiplaying Civ Five. You're multiplaying Civ Five, and you haven't told me. I invited you. I said, Andy, hey, what, you know, what do you think about playing Civ Five? Oh, I don't have time. True. Very true. We'd love to have... We want to start, like, a six-player game. Anyway. Oh, I don't have time. <laughs> Vince. Sorry, Vince. <laughs> no, that's all right. I don't want to get in, in the way of any uh, uh, drama between the two of you. Oh, there's drama. <laughs> eh, not much. It's, 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 under the, it's under the surface drama. 
There's well, tension. Let's let it play out in podcast form. Come on. Oh, believe me, after 260 episodes, it's definitely played out. <laughs> again and again and again. Uh, so, Vince, when is Resonance coming out? Where can people get it? What options do people have of buying it, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, it will be coming out June 19th, uh, and it will be available on Watch It I Games, on Steam, and on GOG.com. Uh, it's available for pre-order right now uh, on GOG.com for 10% off. And uh, on Wajedi Games, there is a boxed collector's edition that you can purchase for 25 bucks with free shipping worldwide. Uh, so I, I really think no excuse not to buy the collector's edition. It's going to be, it's got a sweet box, uh, obviously the DVD and a poster in the box. So. Ooh, nice actual box. Actual box. You don't see those too many. No, I, you I don't. Haven't, I haven't like held an actual box in a long time. Now, is it the the big boxes or the small DVD size boxes? No, the the, the smaller the smaller size boxes. Okay, okay. not the like not, giant oversized originally designed for five and a quarter inch floppies. Absolutely, yeah. Not not the ones that came with uh, the LucasArts classics. <sighs> Although that would be cool. Now that I think about it, <laughs> try installing the game on uh, floppies. On floppies, that's the super collector's edition. Yep, comes yep. with what. Fifty floppy disks. Yep. First, first uh, go and find a floppy drive. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You include one with the box. Oh. <laughs> sure. This there you is go. the true collector's edition. You include the floppy drive. <laughs> a floppy drive. USB floppy drive. Plus. And, oh God. No. How many floppies it would take? A lot. Let's see. Uh, I, I'm yeah. estimating. So. The installer is about 500 megabytes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you have a separate installer to install the installer off of all of the disks? It could be just one disk that would install an installer that would download it from the internet, actually. You it's would probably, need yeah. 300, approximately 350 floppy disks. There we go. I don't know if that would fit in the box. That's high-density 1.44 meg floppy disks. Yeah. Oh, it's bringing back old school. For the installer. Yeah, just for the installer. Well, I, I would hope that's pretty much all you need. Yeah. yeah. Typically, you don't need more than the installer to install a game. Yeah, I suppose that's true. So, Vince, you sticking around for the topics? Um, I can if you want me, unless Absolutely. I'm boring you. Oh, no, terrible. I, we, we can't stand it. <laughs> Cut me off anytime. Oh, believe me, I can't all stand right. Dave, and he's sticking around. <laughs> Ouch. This is a harsh episode. It is. Wow. I am on fire, and sooner or later, somebody's probably going to set me on fire because of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we, we brought up Sierra Adventure Games. Yes. Which is to say Space Quest and King's Quest and Police all Quest. fantastic, fantastic games. Uh, basically designed by two guys. Well, Space Quest was designed by yes. two guys. Scott Murphy and uh, Mark Crow. And they're back. The uh, Kickstarter we talked about, what, a week or two ago? Mm-hmm. Well, which, is that still going on, or is that done yet? I have not been paying attention ever since I brought it up. Okay. I'm not sure either. Yeah. Well, I I paid a little more attention because, I, as I said, I just recently purchased all of Space Quest. I bought that same exact thing. Oh, ten days to go still, so there's still time to pledge. Oh, the project will be fun if they reach half a million, and they're at 
287. So... Mm. Fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing you brought up the the wonderful story of their entire run together. Yes. Now you see, I've been a fan of the adventure games too. Hence, owning all of Space Quest and all of Mist and all that sort of thing. So it's a decent read about how these two guys started working together, how they broke apart, and then how they got back together again. They could make a movie out of that. They probably could actually. <laughs> That's their backup plan. <laughs> Next. Like, oh, we didn't hit the half million point, so... Let's do a Kickstarter for a movie. <coughs> so if you got some time, give it a read. Walk down memory lane. It's a touching story about how they hated each other and then not. Oh. Mm. So, speaking of Mountain Dew, because I just took a drink, New York City is oh, thinking... Oh, yeah, ab- I, I heard this on yeah, NPR. They are thinking about banning oversized sodas in restaurants, movie theaters, and stadiums. It was, what, like 36 ounces was the max? No. 16 ounces. 16 ounces. A 20-ouncer would be too big to be sold to drink. Well, I mean, there's so much sugar in those things. I know, I'm drinking one. Yes. Like, this, I, I might actually applaud this. The The only problem is, like... When you go to a restaurant, 16 ounces is you know not all that much, but they give you unlimited refills. What, okay, so what I'm noticing also, though, is will not apply to diet sodas and fruit juices. <laughs> okay, have the fruit s- juice should. Yeah, have you seen how much sugar is in fruit juice? Oh. <laughs> that, oh. Regardless of whether or not it would work to reduce obesity, uh, it's it's just silly. Uh, it's silly, uh, and I don't know how you go about enforcing it. Well, I suppose shutting it down at like stadiums is easy enough, but it's it's just kind of ridiculous. John Stewart, John Stewart nailed it really yes, well. Yes, I saw that the other night. That was great. I'll have to go watch that one. But I okay. So this is what I don't would not understand. Doesn't it also um, apply to alcoholic drinks? So if I go to the New York Yankees game, and it's like 104 degrees outside, I'd be able to buy, what, a 20, 24-ounce, 48-ounce jug of beer, yet I would not be able to buy a 20-ouncer of Coke? One of these lobbies is a little stronger. I don't know. Go ahead and guess which one. (laughs) Oh, alcohol. Did you also see the fact that, uh, I think it was yesterday, the day after, it was uh, he had the proclamation of Donut Day in New York City? What? Yeah. After, he made this announcement saying, hey, we're going to try and ban this. And then a day or two later, he had an it's official... Donut Day. Yeah, it's an official proclamation that that day was officially now known as, like, the Donut Day. Because those are healthier than soda? I don't I just, Oh. Ridiculous. Man, I want Krispy Kreme Donuts. Oh, man, I want Krispy Kreme donuts now, too. Here we go back to food now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's do something that's not food. Um, Oh, Dave, you got Amazon Prime, right? I do. You have your Xbox, right? Yes. Do you know now that you can put Amazon Prime's instant video on your Xbox? Do you know you don't actually need Amazon Prime? What? The Amazon Video and Xbox integration is not dependent on Amazon Prime. It's that... Any video you have bought from Amazon, you can watch on your Xbox. Amazon Prime comes with that free library of videos. Oh. Okay, then. So Amazon kind of deciding they wanted to 
I guess, uh, step on iTunes and Netflix and try and take a little bit of that market share? Well, they're going to have a big market share to try and attack because actually one of our other stories is the fact that Netflix is now number one and iTunes is number two for online video sales. Yeah, not I love me some Netflix. Wait, for online video sales? Yeah. Yeah. Or online video viewing. Who does Netflix sell? Well, the subscription. Yeah, they don't sell anything but that, do they? No. Yeah. Does that count when you're talking about online video sales? I guess so. It's, they jump to number one in market share on a revenue basis. There, there you well, go. that's because they changed their pricing. Well, did that change the pricing? It was good because now they're at 44%. Of the money. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're, making, they're making more money off of yeah, but- <laughs> videos than, than, than Apple is. That's a pretty big hill. They're pretty but steep like, that they climbed. It, that's not statistically – if I were to get Warren Buffett and Bill Gates to agree for one day to pay like a, a $100 million or a billion dollars into watching an online video, all of a sudden I'm at the top of the chart with two people. I don't think the investors care how how many how many individual movies you've sold. They, they probably just look at that bottom line. Yeah. Which, by the way, this uh, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett idea that, that does sound like a good business model. We should look at it. According to really rich. really rich people. And Warren Buffett, he lives just down the street from me. So that is true. Yeah, yeah he is in Omaha. Is the Oracle of Omaha? Does he actually still live I, in I, Omaha? Oh yeah, among other places. Yep. And Bill Gates comes here to visit him all the time. They go to a steakhouse like down the street from where I live. Dude, I'm going to go like camp this steakhouse. <laughs> there you go. Just order lots and lots of steak. I see no issue it's with that. My- besides the cholesterol. That's <laughs> <laughs> another thing that's not banned. In New York City. What, red meat? Yeah. God, if you banned red meat, the Carnegie Deli would be out of business. I think most delis. And Yeah, I was like, well, they've got turkey, but that's not the same as good corned beef. Oh, corned beef. Why food? Andy, stop. <laughs> All right, not food. Apple has said that they're not planning on creating a console. I don't think they need to, oh, do they? No, I don't think they need was to either. Was there speculation that they were? Yeah, there was actually speculation that um, there was a report last month that stated Apple was readying its a, a TV, say, TV set with Apple TV built in that would be bundled with a dedicated Apple console. Yeah, it was Apple. a crazy report. It was like... It's gamers, or at least traditionally. Ah, uh, not anymore. Traditionally. Not anymore. Not anymore? Because there was an interview with, I think it was Moss interviewed Tim Cook on Tuesday, and Tim Cook first said, I'm not interested in being in the console business in what is thought as traditional gaming, but he said, I view that we are a gaming, that we are in gaming now in a fairly big way. Well, I mean, the, the iOS devices, yeah. but as far as like Mac OS, I, I still don't... I, They're not interested in consoles, but they are definitely interested in gaming because... The, the the phone that's you know in my pocket is already as powerful as a console uh, or you know I'm not one of the current generation consoles maybe but the last console the last generation certainly and I don't think it's too far fetched that there might be some interaction between the new Apple TV whatever form it takes and like say your phone maybe your phone becomes your controller and you're able to view the game on the screen or something like that. Yeah, it's, you, all you need is just a hookup to the television. That's it. All you need is a cable. I'd be, I'd be Andy, surprised if they Andy. even had it with a cable. Yeah, all you need is Bluetooth. <laughs> like my grill. Like your grill. 
No, no, the girl's got Wi-Fi. Your phone has Bluetooth. Your phone actually does My have car Bluetooth. Has Bluetooth. Speaking of cars, remember Uh-oh. how we Crap. talked about Volvo was doing their whole like, hey, attach yourself to the back of a semi truck. Train of cars. Yeah, that train of cars. Yeah. Well, they did another demonstration of their train of cars, this time on a public road. Ooh. Driverless, yes? Yes. They had two semi-trucks and three cars. The cars were all just automatically, quote-unquote, hooked up to the semi-trucks, and they just had their little automated road train on the highway for 200 kilometers. Nice. On the public highway, there were cars just sitting around driving themselves. It'd be more exciting, except Google had already probably done that at some point. It just hasn't told anybody. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of research going into this and the idea of how the cars will adjust with each other and how you can adjust to add a car to the train or take one out. Uh, They have not, however, reached the fuel efficiency that they were hoping for. No, probably not. Well, you can you can't improve the fu- you can improve the fuel efficiency a bit by having the computer control the driving. Well, not even the computer by being behind. If you are close enough to the vehicle in front of you, true, you reduce the drag by a significant amount, especially for that lead car who's right behind a semi. Yeah. So the 125 mile test run was conducted with an average speed of just over 50 miles per hour, and the three cars behind the truck were separated by six meters each. Six meters is quite a distance. On the highway going 50 miles an hour, that's not that far. It's 20 feet. Going on the highway going 50 miles an hour, you might be able to stop. Feels well, you'd, you'd have to swerve. Yeah. You would not be able to stop, but you could swerve. So... One of these days, it's just going to be road trains. I like the, the picture from inside the car of the driver seat where the woman is just reading a book. <laughs> What's really sad is I've probably seen that on the highway with a person who's not driving an autonomous car. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they've got cruise control. Right. And now they have, they have adaptive cruise control where it'll actually watch the distance to the car in front of you. And if it's, you know, that car slows down, you slow down. There you go. No need to pay attention. Yeah, that's what they. That's what they're saying. Is they uh, apart from the software developed as part of the project, it's really only the wireless network installed between the cars that sets them apart from any other car on the road. Because mm-hmm. you got the adaptive cruise control. You got the stuff now that can tell when you're drifting out of the lane. Yep. Lane keep assist. Yeah. The two of those together, and you just give it. Give it another ten years or so. Craziness. All right, Dave. What do you want to hit on here? Anything? Oh, we hit the top three. We hit the soda ban. Recaptcha. That Google's Recaptcha. Um, so this is the the proving you're human by typing text that you see. Yes, that was used for the book stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, defeated. What? Again. How'd they defeat it this time? Well, see, if, if I had actually read through the entire article, I'd know that. <laughs> well, Do you want me to- I have read the article. <laughs> no, it looks like the it's the audio. They they were able to do the on the mm. on the audio portion where you click here if you can't read it, um, and uh, and then type what you hear. The voice they were, read it. They were able to um, capture the audio out out of that and get the get the words that it was speaking. Oops. Especially when there are only what is it? Uh, 58 words. Yeah, 58 unique words for the audio captcha. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, that's it. Oops. <laughs> so, but Google Google updated it 
before they published their tool. I, I wonder if they gave Google a heads up or something. I guess I didn't I, read I the article. Expect that they did in that case. Someone let it slip. Well, what they what how they could do it was the background noise was only at a certain frequency. So once you remove those frequencies, you just have the normal audio of a human voice saying these random four or five of the 58 words or something like that. So what Google did was instead of taking just random radio static, they actually took a human voice just uttering blah, 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 literally like that. (laughs) Really? Just somebody in the background probably going la, 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 la. I can't hear you. And they're, they're using that as the noise. So now the computer can't tell the difference between radio static and human voice because the radio static is now a human voice as well. That's awesome. Although I, I imagine it couldn't take too much extra processing to just separate the two voices. Mm, I don't know. It's, you'd have to have somebody who's actually that into audio and engineering. Everything. Yes, I know. And production. I know. I'm not going to spend time doing this, though. I, I wouldn't expect you to spend time trying to hack into Google. No. I have more important things to do. So, sure. Yes. All right. What else? Um, doctors are using Connect. Yeah, we've known that. In actual patients. Last I knew they were doing it. Well, wait. How, let, let's go back. How are they using Connect? Because I remember originally when Connect came out, there was a discussion about surgeons using it as a uh, 3D mapping of the operating surface. That's pretty much it there. Normally, they'd be using 3D images to carry out keyhole. I don't know what exactly keyhole surgery is, but... Keyhole surgery is uh, laparoscopic surgery. You're going in through a very tiny hole with instruments that you are controlling. So to to operate on you, Andy, they basically poke a hole. Okay. They don't cut you open. They just poke in a little hole, and that's where all the tools go in. Oh. It means the recovery time is like a quarter of what it would be otherwise. Okay, so they're using the Connect during with keyhole surgery to access and manipulate 3D images to help locate certain areas for the thing to go. Cool. And the doctors are quite pleased. Good. Surgeons can be sometimes very difficult to uh, make happy. Their egos and all that. Yeah. London, huh? Yep. Wonder when that's going to get out here. I don't know. Hopefully soon. That'll be an interesting day at work. <laughs> All right. So should we just move on to the random review? Because we're getting near our end. Sure. Random review. Uh, if we are going to continue this alternating week, which we have somehow established, it's my turn. So I'm going to review Solar 2. All right. What is Solar 2, Dave? So think of uh, the opening stage of Spore slash think of Osmos, and you have the general idea of Solar 2. It's space-based. It's the whole eat things that are smaller than you are to begin with. Um, You do so by – you you start the game as an asteroid. (laughs) Okay. In in as they describe it in most games, the starfield is the background. Well, in Solar Two, the starfield is the game. So you start as an asteroid and you fly around, and you slam into other asteroids, thus growing yourself. Eventually, you grow large enough to become a planet, and then you no longer want to slam into other things. At this point, if you slam into other things, you shrink. So you're you're a sentient planet you, with some some means of self propulsion. Yes, <laughs> certain laws of physics don't apply. <laughs> 
I, I was thinking about how I would describe this this morning. It was the whole idea of Newton's second law or Newton's first law: action reaction. Uh, without the action half, there's <laughs> just kind of a reaction. You just move. Okay. Um, and so in in the second stage where you are a planet, you capture asteroids by moving near them so that they start orbiting you. Once they are in your orbit, you can then absorb them again and continue to grow. But now you have to deal with bigger obstacles. So you have other planets, and you have. Uh, life-bearing planets that are trying to attack you to defend their planet. So it's evil sentient planet that has come from to you. Absorb them. Got yes. Uh, so you can use the asteroids that are orbiting you as weapons and shields because you can actually slam them into the other planets and make those planets shrink. Or you can just go ahead and absorb those and then grow into an even bigger planet, which then can support life. And so now you have your own little fleet of ships. But because you are a planet, you don't care about your fleet of ships. So most of the time, they will be getting hit by your own asteroids, or you will be running into them as you propel yourself mysteriously through the galaxy. Past that stage, once you've gotten big enough as a planet, you collapse into yourself as a star, and at this point you now capture planets, and then you capture asteroids on those planets. And so all those life-bearing planets that were floating around, the rogue planets that somehow supported life, you can capture those. And this cycle continues of, okay, well, you get enough of those planets and you can grow yourself to a bigger star, which means you can support more planets, or you can actually selectively grow those planets so that you get a second star and you have a binary system. Wow. (laughs) And this keeps going for a while, and then eventually I believe you collapse into a black hole, and I'm really not sure what happens after that. I have not gotten that far. I've spent over three hours in this game, and it's hard. <laughs> but is it fun? It is really fun, because what I haven't brought up yet is the writing. Oh, there's there's, a, is, is there a story to it? There is in, well, there's a sort of story. There's like this omniscient, omnipotent, ridiculous, for lack of a better term, God, uh, who creates you at the beginning and then gives you missions and talks to you and taunts you and teases you. And so some of the missions are like the the deity comes out and says, like, I got you an audition, but you have to get over here and you can't get hit. So you have to fly through several asteroid fields not getting hit, which is not easy. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of some of the the better quotes from the game. So is is God voice acted? No, no, it's text at the bottom of the screen. But in your head, you're just listening to it as Morgan Freeman, right? (laughs) Yes. So here's, here's one of the first missions, which is I've thought of a fun little game for you to play. It's called Don't Die When I Spawn Missiles on Either Side of You in a Few Seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I failed the game, and so the, the deity responded when I respond of, no, that's not how you play it. That's, that's exactly how I imagine uh, a god to be, if, <laughs> right. if a right. god does in fact exist. Um, Another mission is a dance party, and he warns you to be careful of the fans because they are crazy. And so at this point, this is a mission when you have the planet level. And so your planet starts doing like this ridiculous laser light show. And then asteroids start flying at you from off screen. (laughs) And you have to dodge them. And then planets start flying at you from off screen. And then stars start flying at you from off screen. (laughs) 
All the while, your planet is doing a ridiculous laser light show. Awesome. Huh. This game is fantastic. It's $10 on Steam. It's it's so easy to pick up. I mean, it's it's one of those, like, Othello moments where it's like, okay, I understand this. It's like these four keys, whatever. And then as you're playing, it just keeps growing and growing and getting more and more impressive. All right. Awesome. Now, I do have to say, when you first started talking out about asteroids and planets and everything... In my head, wasn't there some sort of Marvel comic character that was a giant planet that was trying to eat other planets or something like that? Well, Galacticus, but he wasn't a planet. I think you're thinking of uh, Transformers. Maybe. There's a giant planet-eating planet in Transformers. Okay. But still, Galactus was the one who was trying to devour all life in the universe, right? Yes. Okay, so it was a combination of those two in my head, but I'm guessing from the um, dialogue of this game, it is no longer in my head. No, like no, you, you, you are not an evil person in this. It's more that you're trying to grow yourself and defend yourself because the other planets will attack you. Gotcha. Or the other star systems, or, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So 10 bucks on Steam. I'm sold. Yeah, really fun little game. But Vince, you can't play it now. You got to finish up your game. Oh, I'm 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 pretty darn close. I, to that. Andy, I expect if he's shipping in 17 days, the game's pretty much done. I suppose. Uh, I just I just finished recording a commentary track. There's an uh, unlockable commentary track to the game, and I just finished recording that last night, actually. Dude. Oh. So if you beat the game once, you can play through again and hear all of my really interesting thoughts from the last five years. Yes. I'll have to keep that in mind. All right. Finishing up with the random topic. I rolled ahead of time. I'm guessing As we usually do. Yeah. I'm guessing this is a Hans question. Hans is a listener we've had for a long time. Old high school friend. Who do I contact and how much will it cost you or cost not, me? Wait, cost him. Yeah, cost Whoever's him. Whoever's asking the question. It's not going to cost us anything. No. Except maybe some dignity. To have you read an ad during your show. Andy, we never really talked about this, did we? No, no, we never did. In five years. Yeah, I know. Which, now let me say, I, I do listen to podcasts on my way to and from work, and also to and from class. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, when there's an ad in a podcast, I skip over it. I know it's not, it makes me sound like a bad person, but I, I do just kind of just, it's like, oh, there's... Skip through it. Yeah, it's an ad, for especially you, you for Audible. You click on the wheel, and you you know scroll forward, and... Hey, look, would, no you more guys, would you guys ever sell yourselves out to the point where you would just casually introduce um, uh, products into your conversation? Oh, excuse me a second. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit parched. I need to take a drink. I mean, of Andy's the- already oh, said the words Mountain Dew like five times in this episode. I'm, I'm starting to wonder about that. Maybe we should contact Pepsi-Cola? Oh, God, you guys are making me thirsty, actually. <laughs> Perhaps you are thirsty for your Mountain Dew. Ooh. Yes, in my 12-ounce can. It quenches can. your thirst. Gives you the energy to get through the day. Dave? And now I'm suspicious about your criticisms towards uh, Bloomberg's uh, anti-pop bill. <laughs> or soda bill. Pop or soda. Whichever. Was it soda? Pop? Oh, it's pop. I'm trying to think of me. what I normally use. I think I use pop. You use pop, Andy. Okay. You're from Michigan. I'm the odd one who says soda. All right, just making sure. From Michigan. Just making sure. Although... Oh my god, I've met people here who call water fountains bubblers. <laughs> what? Yeah. A water fountain is is called a bubbler. What? That is so strange. Yes. Okay, so ads on our show. 
I don't know if I would want to try. Yes. So first off, uh, the the first half of the question is easy. Contact either Andy or myself. There's also the email I give out at the end of every episode. Or the mail at the end of the episode, which is just mail at rapodcast.net. Yes. That's who you contact. That's the easy part. Yes, that is a very easy part. How much would it cost, and would we be willing to do it? How much? There's is- a lot of factors that would come into that. Yes. How long is the ad? What kind of ad? Do we approve of the product? Come on, you you do it. It's just a matter of price, right? Isn't oh yeah, it? yeah. Oh no, I, it absolutely is a matter of price. I mean, I have a lot of fun doing this show. If someone wanted to pay me a hundred thousand dollars to say something or do something on the show. I really wouldn't have much of a problem with that. As long as it fits in line with the show. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the old joke about the prostitute. Well, well, how did that go? Oh, uh, would you sleep with me for a million dollars? Sure. Would you do it for ten? Well, I'm not a prostitute. Well, we've already established you are. Yeah. Just Now we're just it's, haggling about the price. You, you have a price. Everyone has a price. Of course. There are probably a couple things that I'd refuse at any price. Illegal Just drugs? On a, a matter of principle, you, you mean uh, bath salts? Yes. Bath salts? <laughs> Have you not heard about the, the bath salt yet? Oh, I guess not. Uh, this guy in Florida was doing drugs which were purchased technically legally online. They are uh, marketed as bath salts, and they are not for human consumption, but the molecule mimics uh, a lot of drugs that are not legal. And he ended up going into a drug-induced rage and biting off another guy's face and then got shot six times before he finally dropped. Okay, yeah. No, I saw that end of the story. I just never heard the bath salt. Yeah, bath salt was the the name for whatever it was that he was taking. But I can Uh, see why, because everybody led with the zombie attack in Miami. Yeah. That was the the headline everybody had, and I'm just like... That's about as far as I read. (laughs) Oh, great. Zombie attacks. But, yeah, I think there's a, a couple things that I, on a matter of principle, I would not allow. But Drugs and prostitution are probably two of them. Well, what if we're in Nevada? Really? You want to do it's, an ad for the Bunny Ranch? It is entirely legal. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd be more, well, I don't think I'd, can't say morally ethically opposed if, if someone wanted to do legal prostitution ads on our show. It would probably be a pretty high price, though. <laughs> but it all it now becomes a question of how much is your dignity worth? Again, though, there are certain things that I would not allow. Which you haven't really brought up. I brought up no, two of them. Not, I, well, illegal drugs. Okay. Certainly no. I, I don't care how much they're willing to pay. Okay. So, so let's say Blizzard wants you to read an ad for uh, uh, Diablo 3. What's the price there? Oh, God. I, I mean, it depends on how they want the ad built in. Is it just like they're recording it and send it to us and just insert this somewhere in the show? You, how you long have, is it? To read Do it. we have to read it? We have, to, have read to read it. Are we allowed to take creative liberty with it? Yeah, you've got to be like uh, Rush Limbaugh. Not, not that I listen to him, but you've seen where he will yeah. randomly in the middle of his uh, conversation just say, oh, and you should all buy this. I don't know, uh, hemorrhoids pillow. or something. Yeah, I'd be like, are Andy and I allowed to have fun with it? I, I don't know. There's, there's, this would have to be a negotiating process. This yes. would have to be like, here's a questionnaire for your ad. I don't think... Because we'd, I think we'd really want to custom tailor it. Yes. I don't think it would fit the show of just like, and by the way, we are brought to you by... 
right, but let's say it had to be a, by the way, we're brought to you by. Oh. Well, we could always put it at the beginning, because they always say this is the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by ARIPodcast.net. Right there, and, you could just have yeah. brought to and you by also Blizzard. brought to you by Activision Blizzard. Brought to you Why? By. I mean, do you, do you happen to know someone at Activision Blizzard interested no. in selling Diablo 3 ads? No, I'm just trying to lead you guys <laughs> towards picking a price. Oh. Well, Dave, good, do, do, what's our, tell you. what is our cost for bandwidth for a year? Uh, somewhere around 100 bucks. Well, there we go. <laughs> Pay for the bandwidth for a year. That's what or I even for the week that your ad runs. That's pretty cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Heck, some I, of the radio well, stations still do... I look do forward a... to next week being sponsored by Resonance now. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It would have to be something we, we would have to discuss, I think. I'm Andy saying and I never looked at this as a venture to make money, at least not after the second week. No. This... I don't know why we started doing this podcast. We wanted to have a good time. Well, there we go. Having and a good time. tons of shit to talk about at PAX. Also true. Speaking of, Vincent. Yes? Are you planning on going to PAX? Um, and not, showing off Resonance, perhaps? Uh, not this PAX. I, I, I certainly have no plans. But uh, I would love to go to PAX in the future. Um, I, haven't, I haven't done much as far as, like, pimping the game out to, like, award, or, uh, shows like that. Um, I, I did just... Uh, enter the game into Indiecade, um, which uh, is still being judged. But uh, uh, and I, I entered it into IGF uh, two years ago or three years ago. It was in a much earlier state. But uh, adventure games generally don't, uh, you know, they don't contest very well. They, yeah. they, don't, they don't play very well in in that terms, where you get a judge and they're going to play your game for five minutes. True. And in, in an adventure game, which is you know a slow burning story, everything starts and, and it's just kind of establishing characters and you got a handful of really easy puzzles and it starts building from there. Um, it just doesn't work very well in that uh, kind of situation. Um, but uh, hey, uh, I, would, I would love to show off the game at, at, any, at any venue I could. So Pack okay. 10 entrance fee is 50 bucks. Yeah, I'll have to look, look into that for the next, the next round. Alright. Well, Vince, well, before we go... I always let the guest, one last time, pimp whatever they would like to pimp on the internet. Except you're right. To pimp the refreshing taste of Mountain Dew. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's your shot. That's okay. Go for it. No, um, no, uh, no, 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 we're we're done. Um, uh, I'd like to pimp Resonance then, uh, coming out June 19th and available now for pre-order from Wajidai Games or GOG.com. And follow me on Twitter at Vince12. That's GOG.com, as in G-O-G. GOG. Good old games, not yeah, I don't know if you, the do you deity. GOG.com, or do you call it G-O-G.com? I, I We've, know. I think, historically called it either G-O-G or just good old games. All right, G-O-G.com. That's the one. I don't think God.com wants to sell. No. Resonant? No, not, not this game. Right, that would be really interesting if it did. Gotta follow you on Twitter that now. website. I, I don't know. Oh, is I am following you on Twitter. I must have done that before. It is a website. Wow, that would probably sell for a lot of money. Andy, I think you followed me this morning. I might have when I when I got the email saying, hey, here's my Skype thing. And so then I went from there. There you go. Okay. Well, Vince, I hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. Uh, I, I learned lots of stuff, <laughs> like about what kind of grill I'm going to buy next. 
don't buy a wireless grill. Well, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm in the market. Wi-Fi one just doesn't make sense to me. No. no. <laughs> nice, good charcoal grill. That's all you need. With Bluetooth. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on, Vince. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much, guys. I, I had a lot of fun. And thank you for listening, everyone. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.